We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Thursday evening, September 15th. I'm joined by Kyle Tige. It is Thursday, uh, but the plan throughout the season is to have Kyle join me on every Friday morning. Uh, again, throughout the entire season, we'll meet up just like Chase and I will do on Wednesdays. We had to move some things around this week so I could go out to to Dallas on Friday morning, but uh, Kyle, uh, how are you? Thanks for doing it. Uh, for those of you who don't already know, uh, could we just kind of start by you telling us what your plan is for Wolves coverage this season, what you've been doing, kind of what your story is, how, how you got into this. Uh, I think a lot of people know that, but your story covering the Wolves and how uh, you're planning to change it this year. Well, I was born in Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> um, no, this will be a, uh... Again, thanks for having me. This will be, I think, my sixth year covering the Timberwolves. Uh, the first three, I was just uh, a writer at Canis. And then, as a lot of people know, for two years, I kind of ran this ran the site. Um, passed the keys over to Jack Borman, who deserves it. And it will, has been doing a much better job than I was doing. Um, but yeah, this year, just getting uh, a little more into podcasting. Um, started Flagrant Howls this summer over on Score North. Uh, with my co-host Phil Mackey, we've been having a great time doing that. Um, and then, and you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but like I don't know, you and I became friends doing this six or so years ago, and we've just kind of gotten tighter. And then, uh, what Dane does to have not only the number one Timberwolves podcast, but also just one of the best basketball podcasts around. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes, right? Things that maybe you don't know in terms of how the sausage gets made. So, uh, yeah, you brought me on. I'm a glorified sausage maker. Yeah. Sausage maker slash secretary, um, on Dane's payroll now. Um, so, but yeah, Fridays are going to be lit. Cause I, I, uh, as, as many people know, or some people know this is Dane's full-time job. He's very good at it. This is a side thing for me. Uh, I work in cancer research, so I adjusted my schedule. Now Fridays are just Dane setting my fantasy lineups, um, just dry humping prize picks as much as I can. And, uh, it's just, it's like, uh, third weekend day for me so Fridays are going to be lit this summer or this season so they were lit this summer too but <laughs> yeah no Kyle uh Kyle's been a really important resource for me the past few years you know since I started my own business started the podcast independently uh and I'm just 
yeah, Kyle, as you obviously know, we've had hours and hours and hours of, of conversations about this, about the Wolves on the podcast, but also off of it. And I'm just excited to kind of bring Kyle on in a more, I guess now a professional partnership. And yeah, you'll be helping me out with production of the show, some of that business management stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited. I think starting with getting back into this rhythm of doing shows almost daily. Uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, gets the gears turning and I feel back, you know, feels like this is all really coming. The the season is here. And for all of your purposes as a listener, you know, you can expect Kyle to be the guy on the show every Friday, but also probably a little bit more than that too. We, we've talked about like emergency <laughs> podcast guy. Um, or yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Are emergency podcasts often good or bad? I guess it's either like an know, in injury or like a something. Well, I was going to say, you, you said you're like ready. You said we're back. And I would like to push back on that because we <laughs> uh, the Timberwolves haven't fired their president yet. Uh, and that I think it's going to become a traditional thing, right? Like we haven't, they haven't fired the the head honcho yet. Like they did last year at this time with Gerson Rosas. So um, until then we're just kind of waiting, but no, uh, I, I we're going to have a lot of coverage. I know your pause is going to be going, you know, four or five times a week. Um, and it's going to be a little more structured, which I think the listeners should really enjoy. They'll, they'll know when to expect. And you're going to have a ton of guests on. Um, so this is, again, it's been cool to see Dane grow. Uh, I don't know. I still don't know what I do, but to see whatever I grow. And uh, it's going to be the best year for the team on the court. And from a content standpoint, it's going to be crazy. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, uh, support support the people that have Patreons and have Substacks if you can. But um, this season's going to be bananas. So let's talk about it. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today is kind of we each put together a, a list of four burning questions entering training camp. Um, I, I think we know this time of year, right, where there's we have a lot yeah. of questions and many of them can't be answered until we see, you know, the, the group together until we're around Coach Finch and, and the players daily being able to ask them some questions. So. For me, this was kind of a good exercise and just be like, oh, well, what am I going to ask at media day? What am I going to ask at, at training camp? Right. What do I, what do I want, you know, what do I want to, to really know? And you put together a list too. So uh, unless you have something you want to say about your list in advance, you can just fire out burning question oh, it's, number one. It's a, it's a great list, but uh, no, the, 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 let's not bury the lead. There are a lot of different storylines and we're going to get into them. But the biggest question is, is how will the target centers experiment work? I like target centers, by the way, for Go Bear and Cat. You might like Northern Heights, but I'm going with target centers all year. Um, how will this okay. two big lineup work? Right. It was one of the top three or four storylines of, of the offseason, one of the biggest transactions. Um, how is it going to work? I know Chris Finch, I, we had talked about this uh, around the draft, but I had heard that Chris Finch was really excited to get Walker Kessler. Um, and clearly he was part of the Go Bear deal, but it showed me that Finch really did want to add size and girth to, to that starting lineup. Um, but it'll be interesting because, and, and just interject here when I say something that's not true. Carlton Towns is this team's best player. Carlton Towns is coming off of statistically probably his best season. Um, both, both just from a production standpoint and, you know, yes, they got bounced in the first round, but, he took his team to the playoffs. They had more than five playoff games. Um, and then Carl Anthony Towns also just got a ton of money. So from a like stock standpoint, you're saying Carl Anthony Towns stock has never been higher. 
best player. And now you're asking him to move to a different position. I know in basketball for like, we're trying to get away from traditional positions. Right. But like in this case, Rudy Gobert can only play center. Like there is no, that kind of is the question, right, Kyle? Like if we distilled that down, because I think we've sort of had conflicting thoughts as to, as to what this is. I think you see that transaction go down and obviously you slot Rudy into the center and cat's got to go somewhere else. So we'll put him in the, in the power forward slot. Then, you know, Carl has his press conference um, about his contract extension that he signed. And, and what he kind of posited in that was, you know, I'm not going to only be playing power forward. We're not going to play together yeah. all the time. And he even suggested that sometimes when those two do share the floor together, that he'll function as a center. So the question is, what the hell does that mean? What, what, you know, what, what does this look like? What, how does Carl Anthony Towns play center when he's on the floor with Rudy Gobert? Rudy isn't playing center. Like, you know, we, we have, we do have a lot of questions there that we kind of have to parse apart. We have to ask Rudy about, we have to ask Carl about, we have to ask Finch about. And, and I think, Honestly, those three are probably have similar questions, right? They they're going to need to. That's kind of a theme I thought of when I was putting all these together. Is any one of these that tie to Chris Finch and determining anything sort of X's and O's? I think it makes sense that Finch doesn't completely know the answer right yeah, now. Yeah, that's September fair. 15th. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it it feels like one of those situations where you kind of gotta you kind of gotta see it on the floor a little bit. Yeah. And it just, again, it, it goes back to just my low, small brain thinking of like your best player coming off his best season. You're asking him, I mean, you can make arguments for Ant, you can make arguments for D'Lo, but I don't think anyone is going to have to make more of an adjustment this season than Cat. Yeah. Right. And like so. you're asking him to just at the kind of peak or as he enters his prime to really pivot the way he plays a little bit. I mean, granted, he was obviously spaced out a lot more last season. He, he was driving to the basket a lot more, but again, for the way that my little narrow brain sees basketball, like he was driving to the rim a lot with no other real big guys out there. Right. I mean, yeah. Rudy Gobert, as you watch Euro basketball, Gobzilla is like a good nickname because that dude is just massive and he's not going to be spaced out. Uh, I mean, not that Vando was, I mean, if he's listening to this, he's going to call us lame, but not that Vando was spaced out shooting threes, but I mean, you're just Gobert's going to have to be around the rim. He's also great at putbacks. I mean, you're mm-hmm. seeing him jump over people and, and finish the ball. So it's just going to be that that is the number one question for me because it was the number one storyline of the summer was getting Gobert. And now it's how is Finch going to make it work? I mean, Finch seems over the moon to have Rudy Gobert on the team. And I know you've got to be around Finch a little bit this summer and stuff, but um, I believe Finch can do it but it's still a massive experiment from what we've watched in the NBA these last three or four or five years. Yeah. I am glad you did a, and actually probably a big burning question for everyone. Um, but I, I did kind of rank mine and, and my biggest question is a little bit more in the weeds, but I, I genuinely am really interested by this. And, and that's just what, where does Jalen Noel fit in the playing time pecking order compared to Austin rivers and Bryn Forbes? <clears throat> We like, we do this thing where obviously Rudy, number one, like addition uh, of the off season, Kyle Anderson was a bigger, obviously more expensive addition that they made as well. But then this Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes signings, you know, they kind of like the minimum contracts, right? They, they just kind of mm-hmm. they're like, oh, these are just some players. But I, I think the, the assumption in Wolves world is right that the starting lineup is... 
Rudy, Cat, McDaniels, Ant, D'Lo. I don't. I think that's that. Not an assumption. I think that's just accurate. And then we go to the bench, and I think we have Kyle Anderson for sure in the mix. We have Torian Prince for sure in the mix. I have Jordan McLaughlin for sure in the mix there. And then I think the ninth spot, right? I, I think a lot of people are assuming Jalen Noel's got that ninth spot, right? And I am curious to learn in training camp, to the extent we can, how much Austin Rivers and or Bryn Forbes take that ninth spot. Because I do think it's generally going to be a nine-man rotation. Maybe he gets to 10 in games where Cat or Gobert are in foul trouble and the Nas is kind of injected into the big man mix. But I would, and I think a lot of Wolves fans would love to see Jalen Noel get the bigger role that he's never had um, in his career. I think a lot of Wolves fans believe in Jalen to kind of be able to scale his his game from, from what it's been. But I really do think that Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes, from what I've heard and understand, are just as much in the mix for that ninth spot. And so I think that's kind of, you know, to football it like it's the it's the quarterback battle in training camp or or whatever the position the position battle I think that to me is the position battle I'm most interested to kind of see maybe it's a role battle. Well, you just nuked my agenda because that is like now this spirals into so many different topics and questions <laughs> I have. But no, one of my questions was how deep will the rotation go? Yeah, and you kind of answered that but i also think it's important i don't know just one one more time just list who you thought would be six through nine just one more time kyle anderson torian prince jordan mclaughlin and then, and then nine is this noel rivers Forbes okay guard for right the ninth and, man and and again it's september let's let's all take a deep breath but that i think that's really an educated guess um and then the thing that clicked in my mind was like you didn't mention Nas Reed's name right away right mm-hmm. like you didn't even think then about two the two rookies they drafted uh Wendell Moore and Josh Minot like you you didn't put those guys in the rotation and it's crazy because do you disagree with that no I don't but I, okay. I'm just I guess my my brain is starting to think of when I prior to the Gobert trade my biggest takeaway was this is the deepest Timberwolves team of all time pretty much impossible mm-hmm. to argue like they were they yeah. they, they traded the uh Malik Beasley Jared <laughs> Vanderbilt like Patrick Beverly, they had all these other guys. They send them all out. They get Gobert. And then credit to Tim Connolly and his staff. Like they went out and just got guys. Like it's it wasn't it wasn't the Gerson Rosas subtle tanking thing where he got these guys that I had never heard of that you create in NBA 2K, these random guys to fill the bench. He filled the bench with, you know, Bryn Forbes. Like he didn't he win a title with the Bucks. You filled yeah. the bench with Austin Rivers, who was a like a 10-year vet, who was also probably hungry to not catch dnps every night so it's crazy that they went from they got rid of all their depth and then still found a way to bring in so much depth that we got a guy like eric pascal who isn't even gonna maybe make the roster or is on a two-way and like yeah we're not even thinking about him and he's an nba player so i think the rotation i think the starting five is concrete but i think the rotation is also crazy and circling all back to jalen noel if Finch doesn't bring his name up in that random media scrum, I don't <laughs> think we're that high on him, right? Yeah. Because, like, what other st- – I mean, I know he's probably looking for a contract extension right now. I think Doogie Wolfson had reported earlier that, like, him, his camp and the Wolves aren't really that close, which also reminded me, like, remember when Jalen got drafted? Yeah. And, like, his contract extension – or his contract drug out all summer because, mm-hmm. like, he was already kind of getting, in his mind, screwed <laughs> yeah. financially. 
Um, that's something I've been thinking about now. I was like, that guy. Well, they put him on. A, they put him on one of a Gupta special thing, right? They, but it they, almost seemed like they were yeah. going to lose him, right? Yeah. Like, remember yeah. when he was drafted? So mm-hmm. I would imagine that guy's like, dude, I've already been in the league enough, getting underpaid. I yeah. want my money. So that is another dynamic where it's like, this guy probably thinks he should be getting more minutes. Finch threw his name out like unprovoked into the Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards pile. So your burning question is great about the rotation. I think mine was the same, but I think just you could have a burning question about what mm-hmm. is Jalen Noel's future? How does this season play out for him? Yeah. And I think it's a little apples to oranges because, you know, Rosa's mm-hmm. isn't, isn't calling the shots anymore. Um, right. But, but Jared Vanderbilt, his, as remember a year ago right now, like Vando had just gotten signed to his his two year deal, and that was the same agent that Jalen Noel has. So uh, I think he's kind of had a history of um, a little bit of frustration just with the, the Wolves in general. Right, and it, right. as you're listing off there, I mean they're they're smaller deals, but for those players and for those agents like that who are you know it's kind of their clients are the three to seven million dollar players, you know, another year, another million a year, like that does that does kind of make a difference there too. I haven't heard anything. I haven't really, I was asking about Noel kind of when all the extensions were getting signed around the league. And I'd heard that there was a, a discourse going on there, but as, as of, you know, as of right now, this is, this is where they're at. They decided to, you know, to pick up his, his option he had on his contract and is going to be, is going to be playing out this season. I think for Jalen, himself this is just a big year he's waited Mm -hmm. he's waited those three years in weird to non-existent roles and you know he's he is one of those type of guys who's like a bucket getter who you either slice out that piece of pie in the league or you're a bucket getter overseas and and I think we all believe Jalen is in that slice of the pie that that is an NBA player, given given what we've seen. But it is kind of a razor's edge thing, right? For those type of players, you need to get the opportunity. Um, and I just I just hope Noel does. To me, um, I think he's the best of those three options between 100%. Noel Rivers, and Forbes. I'm a little bit higher on Rivers than the market. I think maybe a little bit lower on Forbes than the market. But I do think I think fans should prepare themselves that those three are going to be in the mix together. Like you said, I think that's a, an educated guess on my part. Was that your, we want to use that as your second burning question as just the, the rotation. Yeah. My, yeah. Essentially just the rotation and how much money can we crowdsource to pay Jalen Noel? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do, I'll do my second one. And it's related to uh, your first one about cat and go bear. And I think this is an obvious one, but I'm just interested to hear what Finch has to say in training camp about how, aggressive the defensive scheme will be this season and and probably you know even more interested to see what that looks like in preseason games right obviously last year the wolves were the most aggressive defensive team in the league they tried to fly around they tried to generate steals and we kind of pinned that down with our eye on the fly by noticing how much further up the floor carl was playing in pick and roll coverage uh with with rudy that's not something he's done in his career he's been on the complete opposite side of the spectrum uh in a more conservative defensive scheme because that's what he's been great about that has been that was utah's defensive identity so i think you have this case on both sides of the defense greatly exceeded expectations last season playing in a very aggressive manner 
Rudy has been a very, very great defensive player playing in an almost completely different manner. So I'm just I'm just curious to see when we get those little breadcrumbs here and there at, at a practice um, or watching the first games. I, I remember last year doing a pod right after the first preseason game, and I was like, hey, Ant looks like a completely different defender. It, this mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you remember 12 months ago we were talking about ant as one of the worst defenders in in the league not just us but like that yep. was that in was general. perception and i think that was that was decently accurate that scheme did so much for ant i thought i think he grew a little bit uh but you got to weigh all these things right you got to weigh all these things if you're finch and i do think this is one of those things where he doesn't he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do and he does need to sort of see it on the floor together in training camp and see what this uh what works best in his mind for this group. So this is where you can let me put on my Michael Scott hat and ask for you to explain this to me like I'm five or seven. But like it's not that Carl hasn't played alongside another big, right? I mean like mm-hmm. some of his his one of his best seasons was playing alongside Taj Gibson, right? Like there's that infamous early time in his career when he played next to Kevin Garnett. Um Gordy too. so when I said yeah, Gorgie too. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, when I said at the beginning, like that he's gonna have to probably make the biggest adjustment, offensively, it might not be that big of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. But explain to me, like on defense, like how wide of and based on the scheme that you might think they play the most, like how wide is that adjustment or how big is that adjustment for Carl? Could it potentially be on defense? Like are they, are they gonna have teams just constantly pulling him out? Is he gonna be on the perimeter a lot more? Like, how is that gonna work? Yeah, well, I think that's that's going to be part of the most interesting part of this like the wolves okay, yeah, could yeah. just decide to be like we are going to run the exact same thing rudy's done his entire career because rudy and the teams he's been around have been great defensively but if i see the wolf if i'm playing against the wolves and i know from preseason the first couple of games of this the season that that's how they want to play well then i'm then i'm having my second big whoever carl's guarding i'm having him be the guy who's put in, right, in the screen. Game. Right. And I think that's part of the area where we go that Carl kind of does play both positions, right? If he's, mm-hmm. if he's the big defending the screen consistently because teams are trying to put him in the action and try and if the, if that the five that Gobert's guarding can space out to the corner now, like now you have Rudy in a, in a different sort of role. So it, it, they're going to need to be able to play coverages based on whether Carl's the big in the action guarding it or or Rudy is. Um, and whenever either of them aren't in the action, it's going to be a little bit awkward for them, right? They're right. going to be playing in more of an off-ball role, more of a awareness to the corner role than either of them ever really have. Uh, I, I, with Carl, you know, I just still stand on the I'm not as concerned as others are. I know there's a big okay. concern of okay. Ritz about being able to move in that off roll off ball role in coverage. But it's not like we've never seen him do that either, right? We we've right. seen him yep, guard small point. ball. We saw it last year at at times. And I think he acquits himself better in that, certainly than his reputation suggests. Okay. I mean because that, that, again that I don't I mean, know. I mean, that's just what I think. You that's why we need a thousand to ask questions. questions. Right, yeah. exactly. Just all about this. And again, we, I think the best point you made is that on September 15th, 
I don't think Finch knows. And if, and if the wizard doesn't know, then, you know, I mean, everyone that follows the wizard probably doesn't have it figured out yet either. So, right. but it is, it is again, that is, this is whether you like it or not, this is an experiment, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. because like you said, we have seen Carl play alongside a big, we've seen, you know, two bigs work like, you know, with uh, AD and DeMarcus cousins, like we've yeah. seen this work, but it's still pretty unique. And that makes it in and of itself a pretty big experiment for not just this team, but for the league moving forward is like, is, you know, I don't think small ball is just the way basketball will be played forever. Like you're, there's always trends. There's always new wrinkles. There's always things that a team explores and that becomes the new wave of how this all plays out. So um, yeah, I think, I think those are really, I mean, I think we kind of hammered all the Carl and Rudy stuff now, but uh, there's just so many important questions to ask at media day, but also figure out, as we play in October, those first couple of games, yes, preseason sucks, but like you're going to get some real good information from those first couple of games in you know October 4th and October yeah. 6th. I, I, I think so for sure. I mean, I've just, that's been my experience in, in doing this yeah. uh, over the years is you do start picking up on some breadcrumbs in training camp and I, it's right in football preseason is stupid, right? And teams right, don't even right. play their players. So that's not the case in the NBA, the, and I don't think teams are really gonna, they're not going to hide their coverages either. Like mm-hmm. it gets out there in the coaching grapevine of, of what your plan is. So probably how they play in preseason will be how they play it in the regular season, because they're going to want to get reps in that, you know? And, and even more so, like it also might just be if, if the wizard I said, doesn't know the answer to September 15th, he might not know the answer on October 31st. It might yep. still be an experiment as, Everyone who listens to this now knows how easy the Wolves schedule is to start the season. Like Finch is such a basketball nerd that like, he might just try to throw some different things. You know, if we play the thunder a couple of times in October, I'm going to try it this way against them. And I'm going to try it this way and see what works. So it is going to be a process, right. For them to figure this all out and they won't have answers by training camp. But um, again, it's just, it has to be the number one topic or the segment of topics you think about, because again, those two are, you know, I said Carl is the best player, but then it's probably Carl and Rudy, the two best players on the team at this exact moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just and one final thing on that. Last year, they did have the whole high wall plan and everything in mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. prior to training camp. Finch knew that's what they were going to do. I remember being at the first practice of the year and they were running it. Hey, they were just doing defensive drills when we were in there. And I'm like, oh, this is different. Um, I, that's one year, right? It doesn't mean Finch is a black and white guy he he might it might make sense to toil in the gray a little bit this season because you do have both cat and rudy who probably have better ways to each of them individually to guard and pick and roll coverage let's uh we both we'll take a little break here but we're gonna do it live here uh i told all of you who listened to wednesday's episode uh with jace frederick that a new sponsor this season is land and lore um they are a men's skincare line. They actually sent both Kyle and I some products to try out. Uh, we both got the, the shower kit and the face kit. I know both we both brought our little that you can't see this because this is a podcast, but I'm holding my little all my little toys here for skincare. What uh what's what stood out for you, Kyle? Were you a skincare guy? Have you liked this? So as Dane's podcast has grown, one of the cool things has been like more people want to advertise on it, right? And I'm only going to talk about, I don't care who, I'm only going to talk about things I like and that I use. I don't have time for anything else. 
No one, fellas, no one cares less about maintenance for themselves than myself up until I got this stuff. It's very simple to use. I was texting you about it in Hawaii. I was just like, by the way, (laughs) my wife is, for as little as I care about this, my wife cares the rest of the 99% of the pie. She read all the ingredients. They're all super clean. It's a very easy little thing. Also, too, kind of developed this new uh, skincare routine at night where it's like, my wife and I have separate bathrooms. Just kind of lock the door. Maybe I'm listening to Dane. Maybe I'm listening to Zach Lowe. I'm just like moisturizing my face. Like I have <laughs> never, again, you can't see it now, but I've never looked better. My face has never looked cleaner. I've never like, my hairline is sprinting backwards, but the shampoo, no more dandruff. <laughs> I am literally the cleanest version of myself as I start to integrate into more YouTube and stuff. So Land and Lore products, shout out to that team. Uh, I got some shampoo. I got some body lotion. Uh, they have a whole little thing. It takes two minutes. So again, no I'd one like cared about this less. Yeah, I'm just saying no one cared about it less than I did. It's super easy. It actually makes you feel good. Makes me look good. Um, those are important things. And I'm a big, big fan. So as soon as I run out of this, I mean, I dude, I was just lubing myself up with this moisturizer. <laughs> uh, it's, and I was just drinking it basically in Hawaii. So as soon as I run out of this, I have to call those guys and have them send me some more. But um, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm very appreciative that they're sponsoring the pod. And uh, yeah, I definitely think if you are into just like taking the basic level care of yourself, um, land and lore is the way to go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's really well said. And and the thing that st- stands out from that that I agree with is it's so quick and easy. I mean, so quick of, and easy. Half of it you do in the shower when you're you know when you're showering yep. anyways, and then you come on and put this moisturizer, come out and put this moisturizer on afterwards. The They've got the hyaluronic acid, which uh, my girlfriend has told me is makes it. I'm sure that's what Abby was saying as well. Yeah, that uh, that makes it uh, actual le- a legit product. But uh, yeah, Kyle and I have both enjoyed using this. So again, like I said yesterday, uh, you can check them out at landandlore.com. Uh, 15% off at checkout if you use Dane MBA. No spaces. That's L A N D dash L O R E dot com to check out Land and Lore. We'll be back. My wife, my, my, my oh, wife yeah, told me ahead. I was looking really good uh, in Hawaii, and it was after I started using this, and I didn't get a lot of that in our first year of marriage. So uh, <laughs> if, 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 she, if she likes it on me, again, guys, um, you're, you're, it's going to win some prizes for you. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out Landon. Let's get back to these questions. Though. Most definitely. All right. We'll be back with uh, four more burning questions uh, we each have here in a minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with Kyle Tige here, sort of segment two. We each put together a list of four burning questions we have entering training camp. We had a little bit of overlap in uh, the first half there, Kyle. Let's see um, what overlap or what differences we have here with the, the final four questions we have. So what is your third burning question entering training camp? I'm just going to dim the lights a little bit because um, this one's, this one affects me on a personal level. Um. My third question is simply titled, is Jaden McDaniels worth it? Ooh. And by that, I mean, it was well reported and well kind of, you know, talked about all summer as part of the Gobert trade that Utah really wanted Jaden McDaniels. Um, and the Wolves did right to not include him in a deal. Sure. And we saw for, a, you know, we don't see this a lot too, right? This is another innovative way that Tim Connolly has kind of formed this new front office is that we saw like a superstar player or an all-star player get traded in Rudy Gobert. And there were no blue chip players on, on the table going that going out. Right. Like even when Donovan Mitchell was traded, like, you know, I don't know how you feel about Colin Sexton, but like, that's a young guard who got paid and is a piece of something you could build. Um, the, the jazz didn't get any of that. And, you know, even Vando, who I really, really like is not a core piece of a trade. So, Wolves held on to that blue chip player in Jaden McDaniels, which could have cost them what, you know, two future first round picks. Maybe you put Jaden in and you get to keep two picks or a, a pick swap. So, yeah, is Jaden McDaniels worth it? We're, we're going to talk about, you know, their quote unquote big four of D'Lo and Ant and Carl and Rudy, but Jaden is the fifth member and hit in a tier all in of himself, right? Like Jaden's ceiling is much higher than Kyle Anderson's and Torian Prince and Jalen Noel and all these other guys that brought in. So yeah. Was he worth it? Was it right to keep him? Do you believe that there, I mean, I do, right. I, I, I saw what he did up in Seattle on the pro-am like for him to be worth these two unprotected first round picks that you would rather pay than get rid of him. He's going to have to give you more than nine and four in his, in his junior season, right? He's just going to have to be a more reliable, consistent shooter. Um, maybe just a little bit more of a playmaker, he just had I me. And again, Timberwolves fans, and I am one of them, are so high on him. But at some point, he has to start to show you more and more to get to that Scottie Pippen comparison. He can't just baseline or, you know, flatline and have the same season he had last year. I'll, I'll respond to that by going with one of my questions as well, because it is also very much about Jaden McDaniels. And that's my, my question is just how's everyone's jumper looking specifically? Kyle Anderson yeah. and Jade McDaniels, because I do think something that we've brushed over with the Gobert edition is you now have a non-shooter on the floor in Gobert 35 minutes a game, right? And, and that means if let's just take the starting lineup, if Jaden's jumper is, has not progressed, it's not that he's an, a non-shooter, but if he's a, only a half shooter, 
now you're now you're looking at a, a team that sometimes is playing with two non-shooters on the floor, only three shooters at a time. And that's that's that was different than last season for the most part. So I, I'm curious in both Jaden and Kyle Anderson what their shots are looking like and how much they're going to be asked to shoot. I was just pulling it up um, right before this, and Kyle Anderson for his career is a 33.4% three-point shooter. Jade McDaniels, 33.8% three-point shooter. Obviously, all three-point percentages aren't created equal. This is a good example of that. Jaden shoots way more three, has shot way more threes in his first two seasons than Kyle Anderson has has though the rate in which he takes threes is significantly higher than Kyle Anderson. But you know, Anderson has been a guy who's for his career 37.4% from the corner. Jaden, 37.5% from the corner. Again, higher volume means you're taking some tougher shots. Andersons are typically going to be wide open. But I think it is important that one or both of those players are able to be able to hit at least open three-point shots, catch-and-shoot ones at a 37% clip. And if they don't, this team's going to start to to run into some spacing problems, I think. And and that's something again we can glean a little bit in training camp. We can we'll we'll have some more breadcrumbs from the preseason games. But I think this should be a, a big question, and it ties into it's like a root of of your broader question about Jaden's just overall value. But specific to this season, I think that's going to be really important. Is is Jaden has Jaden switched his shooting mechanics, or has he made his previous mechanics more consistent? I think that's going to go a long ways. Yeah. And, you know, prior to the Gobert trade, I remember when you and I, you and I covered the playoffs and then we had the kind of the exit interviews and stuff. And we, I think we talked about that Saturday morning, like some things we're looking forward to for the next season or, or for this summer. And my biggest one, hands down, the only thing I cared about was that Ant and Jaden started, right? Because again, you, you can't talk about them being the core in the future of this franchise and this organization and then have year three come and they're one of them's coming off the bench. Right. So for me, it was like when I was penciling in my starting lineup, it was like, I just put Ant and Jaden and then obviously Carl and Dilo, but like, those are the first two guys I wrote down. So I'm very happy that Jaden finally gets that opportunity to start. We do think he'll start. Um, so I'm not, when I say, was he worth it? It's not hate, but you know, a basic way to think about the shuffling of the starting lineup is that you replace Vando with Gobert, right? Both mm-hmm. of them are non really offensive threats. Both of them known for their defense. Um, and then you kind of replace Pat Bev with uh, Jaden, right? Yep. And you just said Jaden was a 33% uh, career three-point shooter, you know, only two years. But Pat Bev is like a 37% free th- or three-point shooter. So maybe four percentage po- Yeah, and those four percentage points, I mean, again, there, there's a lot of context that builds into that. But um, you are essentially adding less shooting, hypothetically, yep. to the starting lineup. Um, and, and and those percentage points too, Kyle, it's like, it's also not just about the like scaling out 38% versus 33% right, right, exactly. or whatever it is. The way in which you're guarded, that that's what I'm 100%. thinking about here too, is how are, what level of shooter are they going to treat Jaden McDaniels as? Because that will have such an impact on the spacing for Kat and Rudy when they roll, put pressure on the rim for Ant. To be able to, you know, to be able to get to the rim himself. And I think we'd like Delo to get to the rim a little bit more as well. The best, the best way you could set up all four of those things happening is to have competent 
spacing and shooting around them that the that the defense you know has to has to respect and we don't know what what that will be with a lot of with a lot of the bench players I just wrote down here too it's like it's not that Jalen Noel Nas Reed or Austin Rivers are non-shooters at all they they're they're shooting them but they're not clearly in the like we can bank on any of those guys you know at a higher volume, making 36, 37, 38% of their threes. Maybe they can, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be in the lower thirties. Like I think we need to Malik Beasley gone. I think we need to care about how much shooting surrounds the core group that the wolves have. And my sense has been listening to us both talk these last five minutes. I believe he can do it by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm biased anyone who knows me, but like no one is championing Jaden McDaniels more than I am. And if this was all one, if literally everything that we are doing in the world is just one big simulation and movie for Jaden McDaniel's life. I mean, his last game was in, in a Timberwolves jersey was like a career high, right? He dropped mm-hmm. 24. He had five of six from three in that game six loss to the Grizzlies. So if this is all just we're living in Jaden McDaniel's movie, he's going to take his last game and parlay it into starting in the NBA and being this big, big piece of this team now that has major expectations. So for Jaden, yes. Was he worth it? Is he worth it? And also, too, like you said, is how is he going to handle expectations, right? Because he was just yeah. a late first-round guy that was a bunch of randoms were drafted in front of him, including, like, I mean, Leander Balmero was drafted in front of him. Um, how is he going to take on those expectations? I think he's got – I mean, he is the epitome of that meme with the dog in your lungs. That dude has <laughs> dog in him, right? Like, he looks bigger. The people you talked to said he is a gym rat. He's been in at Mayo Clinic Square all summer. Looks bigger. He's got a tattoo of the space needle. That's pretty cool. Like he he's going to he's doing everything right. And he doesn't seem like the type that needs to be fed possessions or fed shots. Like he does seem like a really good glue guy. But you got to go at some point. You can't be have your face photoshopped on Scottie Pippen's body and keep giving teams nine and four. At some point, you have to also like take a leap. So we're all going to focus on Ant and if he can be an all-star or be in an all-NBA discussion. But for Jaden, like this will be the first time in his NBA career that he has legitimate expectations. And I can't wait to see how he responds because I think he'll respond really well. And I think along those lines too, just to, to add on the Kyle Anderson part, I think Kyle Anderson has no expectations of being a shooter this year. And, and that's just one because he if you've watched the Grizzlies or the Spurs back in the day play, he doesn't shoot that many, but he, well, and, yeah. he did and make he 43 and a half percent of his corner threes last year, only yep. took 46 of them. But like if Kyle Anderson is shooting a corner three, a game and he's making 38% of them, that would help uh, a yep. lot in this team. And I don't think that's out of the question, you know, to happen that the form is funky, but, uh, the numbers at a low volume have not been as bad as I think that he's labeled. Why don't you give me your, uh, your fourth and final burning question? I, I, I'm curious how some people will think of the importance of this, but this is something that I actually care about. And I think it, it doesn't matter that the Timberwolves are a professional sports team or that you buy their jerseys, look up to them. There are <laughs> no idea where this real, is going. There are real interpersonal dynamics. Ah. And my fourth question is, who was in charge of the locker room? And that can sound stupid to you because you only maybe watch the games or you only, you know, you only see the stuff that we is shown publicly. But again, I've been blessed enough to be in those locker rooms. I've been blessed enough to know 
you know, some of the stuff that goes on on plane rides and stuff. And they were a really cohesive unit last year. And that is why they crushed their over-under. How much of that was Pat Bev? I don't know. There was a lot of praise heaped on Torian Prince in those exit interviews about how he took the young guys under his wing, said, come into my hotel room on, on road trips, you know, like, that's cool. And TP's back. Kyle Anderson is beloved as a teammate, right? right. Um, Rudy Gobert, it's been a little more hit or miss in terms of how his teammates have enjoyed playing with him. So again, I'm not concerned, but you take Pat Bev out of that locker room. That's a big voice. Um, is Ant ready to step into that role? Does Carl want to take on more of a role? Is this going to be Delo's locker room? I just... There's so many angles that you could answer it, but it's a huge question for me because you did lose the guy who spoke a lot last year. Yeah, I think with Pat Bev, there's like two parts to his leadership or was two parts to his leadership, right? Like he was he was the vet. He's obviously a loud voice, like the way he leads kind of drips off of who he is just as a person, as a personality. Um, but mm-hmm. there was also like an intention to detail particularly on defense part of Pat's of Pat's leadership that I think really showed up. And I don't know Rudy yet. So I, I definitely can't like, I can't give you any nuggets on, on what he's going to be like as a, as the personality as a leader. But I think there will be a lot of similar overlap in that attention to detail defensively as a leader, which I think we can, safely say that part of the leadership last season went a really long ways. And like you said, led to them significantly exceeding their win total over under. And it led them to being the number 13 defense. When most of us were thinking about this team, maybe as like a bottom 10 defense last season. So I have some confidence in Rudy's ability to do that, but you're right. This is a a very good question. Like I think specific to Rudy, of what role does he play in this um, in this leadership mix? Jason and I on Wednesday talked extensively. The whole episode was was pretty much about Rudy Gobert. So you can dig into that for some some more thoughts if you haven't listened to that one. But you're right. That's a that's a really good question on paper, right, man? This team has a ton of talent, and they're being projected to win one or two more games than they did uh, a year ago. They're projected to again be the seventh seed in the West. I think. Part of that is the NBA public not totally believing in in how these personalities all mesh together. So it's it is something to track. Well, and it's this is crazy. I just discovered this this morning. But like, you took a team that was pretty young last year, right? I mean, by all accounts, their roster had a lot of young guys and just a couple dudes north of thirty. This team only has one player on their active roster that's over thirty who also has a fully guaranteed contract. Austin Rivers is the only other 30-year-old, but his contract is, like, what, partially guaranteed? Yeah. But again, like, that in and of itself is bananas, right? That you have this team that you're sniffing 50 wins with a lot of guys that I love, but no, not a lot of guys that have been to the second round of the playoffs, right? Yeah. There aren't a lot of – I mean, you can dissect, again, if Pat Bev maybe started to get on people's nerves or he got to be a little too much or whatever, but, like, that guy had done a lot in his career, and now you bring in – you know, like, again, the Rudy Gobert thing, that's a whole other topic because he gets paid, like, well, he has, like, the highest or second highest contract on the team. Highest, he's the yeah. oldest guy. Um, he's going to probably be relied on to do possibly the most, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. defensively, to fill so many different holes and gaps 
Um, and if people tune him out or if they don't love listening to how he delivers his message, that's going to be an issue. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm bullish. I'm very positive on it. But again, I think anytime you take someone out again, back to my little rant, like it doesn't matter if this is professional sports, this is just an office, right? The, those locker rooms are offices. It's planes and buses and hotels. Like these guys live together. They're family members. And I don't love everyone I work with. I'm not even sure I like everyone I work with. Right. But like, will they be able to respect one another? And then it obviously ties into Finch and stuff too. But like, um, it's just something that has to be monitored because the team is going to lose four games in a row at some point. Like you just, that, that happens to good teams. Um, and who was going to walk into that locker room after that four straight loss and light a fire under, under everyone's ass. Cause that was Pat. And now mm-hmm. who's it going to be? They have a lot of guys that could do it, but someone's got to do it. No, it's a, it's, it is a good question. And I think that's a question a lot of people have coming in. And a lot of that has to do with loving Pat Bev and, and what he was for this team, but there is not a Pat Bev on the 2022 Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I will do my last question. It's, Pretty basic, but I think a pretty important one, and that's just how often is D'Lo initiating offense versus Ant yeah. initiating offense? Yeah. Um, there's going to be many, many possessions where D'Lo functions as the point guard, of course, right? And I think the question is, where is Ant on those possessions? How does Finch activate Ant in those possessions? Because we can all envision it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a high D'Lo and Vando pick and roll, a high... D'Lo and Cat pick and roll, and Ant just kind of is standing up in the corner, you know, like aesthetically looking unengaged. And I think it's just so important to, for him himself to mentally engage himself. That's not on D'Lo. D'Lo's doing his job. Like Ant needs right. to present himself as a weapon in those situations because the way this roster is constructed, and we can talk about at a at a future date at a future future iteration of this team do you want to have the team be more like luca in dallas where luke where ant is is functionally the point guard that's not what it's going to be on this team he's going to play off ball a lot and i'm curious to see how much he personally is is engaged and finch is smart enough to know that that ant needs some engagement in there. He's going to have to do some coaching things to, to stir up ants emotions in those possessions when, when he doesn't have the ball. Is that a question that you also have? It's crazy because we're only going to do four. And obviously we both cover the Timberwolves. So we're like, I'm biased, but like, I just feel like there's an argument to be made that this is also like the most interesting team in the league, just by the questions that like, of all the questions I didn't get to ask you, right? I mean, we really haven't talked about Anthony Edwards much. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's 62 burning questions about like, is he going to take the third year John Morant leap? Um, we did talk to touch on Jaden. Like we haven't really talked about Carl that much. Um, but then D'Lo, like you could do a hundred burning questions about D'Lo, right? I mean, I, <laughs> totally. I, I do remember as we're about a week and week or so away from media day uh, for 2022, but last year at media day, um, every guy, half the guys that stepped up to that podium were like, this is the contract year for me. Well, I mean, it kind of was for some guys that were contract extension eligible, like Carl, like D'Lo, but it, in a, another sense, it wasn't. It was this year, it, yeah. Yeah. Right. This year, it is a contract year for D'Angelo Russell, right? He's about to have a kid. Like his career, I'm not going to say his career is on the ropes by any means, but like if he has a really good year, 
he's going to parlay himself into another, you know, mm-hmm. nine figure deal. Um, so again, there's just so many angles and so many different things to dive into that makes this team. It's not just, can they win 50 games or can they avoid giving up a unprotected top three pick? It's just, can, what, what is D'Angelo Russell's role going to look like? Because as bad as he was in the playoffs and I was there for it, like he is the, the, the straw that stirs the drink for a lot of this stuff, right? Like he's going to have such a crucial role, maybe putting Ant in those, in those possessions or those positions to like, I need you to cut. I need you to space out. I need you to do that. Cause he is a very smart on the floor kind of quarterback. Right. So um, I think that's a really good question. And yeah, I mean, I had a ton of different notes on D'Lo, but he might be the second most interesting person this year for the team. Like, I still think it's Gobert and how this all works, but uh, the team might only go as far as D'Lo can take him because. Well, I mean, I, I'm curious to see what he <laughs> looks like when he's off ball too. Cause right, I think exactly. it's probably fair to say that Ant is going to take on more quote unquote point guard duties this year or initiating the offense duties. Like what does D'Lo look like in those situations? Is it, is he just then relegated to the corner? And I, I went back and I watched um, some of his clips and some of Ant's clips from from the playoff series. And and again, we're isolated just for that series, but just watching those through, what really stood out to me when D'Lo was initiating, Ant was in the corner. When Ant mm-hmm. was initiating, mm-hmm. D'Lo felt more involved in the tertiary sort of actions you know, we talk a lot about like that horn set where mm-hmm. there's the point guard and then you have two players at the elbows right there and you're running an action off of that. When Ant was initiating, D'Lo is a lot more involved in the core part of the court, not just spotted up in the corner. Again, in that horn stuff, a little bit of stack sort of action there where you're setting kind of multiple screens on yep. the ball. And I really just left watching that being like, wait, why can't Ant do that too? Right. Mm-hmm. Why? why? Mm-hmm. And it's not like we haven't seen Ant involved at the elbow and in horns. But I'm just telling you, I went through and and watched all of those D'Lo possessions. He had 113 possessions on on offense in that playoff series where he took a shot, turned it over, got fouled or got an assist. And only six of those led to Anthony Edwards buckets, you know, mm-hmm. assists to Ant. That number has to go up. And I think it can go up by using Ant in ways other than just being a spotted up guy in the corner. Can how do you integrate him into the ant into the core of the action more while D'Lo is playing point guard and vice versa? I think it's good to keep D'Lo in involved in it as well. Well, and this is again, this is a topic for another day, and we'll see it play out in front of us this season. But like I was just thinking about D'Lo's tenure here, right? Like every team kind of sometimes has a has a scapegoat that they like to pick on. And D'Lo has been much better than I thought. And he's had his moments that have been glaring in the playoffs and stuff, but has D'Angelo Russell really ever been the point guard of the Timberwolves? Yeah. No, like, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't he, think he so. had to put, right. I mean, I mean, like he had, yeah. he, right. But even just like he had to share backcourt with Ricky Rubio then he had to share backcourt with Pat Bev. Like, true. you know, I know I'm not trying to boil this down to traditional NBA, but like if the Wolves win the tip, they're going to give the ball to D like he's going to be running a lot more of this whole picture this season than ever before. And, it's a good point. And he'll say this too. Like he is, this is, this is the most important season for D'Angelo Russell, hands down. It's not even close to anything he's done before. Uh, and he, I think embraces that. I think he probably does well. I mean, you can't have ice in your veins if you don't handle pressure well. So uh, 
uh, yeah, I just, I think he's another guy. It's going to be fascinating to see how he takes on this new role with new weapons, weapons that maybe better suit him more like a Gobert. Um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be incredible. This season is going to be awesome. <laughs> like Kyle said, uh, there, we could have made this list of questions a lot longer and I, we will get into more of these questions as we're at media day, as we're at practices. And sometimes some of these things, again, just from experience, you're like, Oh, like you, you mentioned the, the Jalen Noel thing, like that Finch said randomly, I think it was at the Gobert press conference or something like that, where it's like Jalen Noel is going to be a really big part of this team. Like there's going to be these little <laughs> yeah. things that are dropped yeah, around we, in the yeah. first weeks of, of October that are going to, create even more questions maybe off of the the other questions we have but it's fun to have a team that has a ton of questions going into this season um but let's uh let's kind of wrap up this episode similar to how how Jason and I picked um oh, let's go. two player <laughs> two players from from prize picks for uh the Thursday night games uh Kyle and I are going to make two NFL picks that are off of the Sunday slate of games we're, uh, again, using Prize Picks, which is a sponsor for the show again this season. You can download uh, the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to create an account. Uh, Kyle, let's just go back and forth. We each made two picks here. What do you have for a a more or less than stat projection for the uh, the Thursday or the Sunday slate of NFL games? You're excited. I, I can't. Can I can't. I know I'm so excited. I can't stress enough, by the way, how awesome Prize Picks is. Uh, it, I'm out in Oregon, works out here. It's elite daily fantasy, what, like a little app. So easy, right? I just click on a guy's face. I click <laughs> more or less. Like it is the most like simple way for me to start my morning. So um, I'm going to never miss on these. Uh, you should just not fade me ever. Uh, Saquon Barkley, over 74 and a half rushing yards. Uh, he plays, I believe they play the Panthers this weekend. The Panthers gave up 217 rushing yards last week, and Chubb, Nick Chubb at 141. Um, Saquon Barkley, also the captain of my dynasty team, so shout out to Saquon. Um, and then Elijah Moore, over 47 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I think the Browns, they play the, uh, yeah, the Jets play the Browns this week. The Browns gave up three different 45-yard or more receivers last week. The Jets suck. Flacco threw the ball 59 times. Um, Elijah Moore is going to hammer that. So Elijah Moore, Saquon Barkley, Two overs. Let's win some money. What was what was the number on Saquon Barkley? Seventy four and a half. Seventy four and a half. So we, you both, you had overs for for both of your picks, um, and I did the same. Um, I went with more than fifty seven and a half receiving yards for Michael Thomas. I think mm. he's a guy that everyone's sort of forgotten about. Um, Oftentimes in the NFL, right? Like if a guy misses a year plus, it's probably a sign that they're on their way out of the league, which is the case for Michael Tom. But, you know, he hasn't played much in the past two seasons, but he's still only 27 years old, I think. And in week one, I think what, what we saw him get those two touchdowns, I think we can glean that uh, he is similar to the player he once was, if not the, the player he, he definitely was. So it's, it's kind of crazy to me to to look at this this slate of yardage and see, you know, tons and tons of of wide receivers having a their stat projection be higher than 57 and a half receiving yards. So I'm taking the over on Michael Thomas there. And then similarly, I, I think what I'm trying to do is like capture the 
maybe the guys people were sleeping on a little bit before the season. I also am saying Cordell Patterson will have more than 45 and a half rushing yards. The assumption just seemed to be like, oh yeah, that was a Cordell played running back last year and now it's going to be Tyler Algier or Mike yeah, Davis. Yeah. Somebody, you know, like, and then it's like, no, no, it's, it's still week one. Certainly looked like Cordero. He, he, he looked good. So 45 and a half seems pretty low to me. So I will take more than 45 and a half rushing yards there as well. What do you think of my picks? Those are good. Again, I can't stress good. this enough. I, I, I just, I'm only going to talk about stuff all season on this pod that I like. So prize picks, land and lore, maybe some beer. Uh, if a wine company wants to sponsor me, that'd be cool. And then Jane McDaniels. But prize picks is so easy. It makes the games way more fun. Uh, it is daily fantasy. It's not a sports book. Um, and it's really easy to use. So also maybe a bonus works one. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Works and works Minnesota Minnesota. Uh, Justin Jefferson over 642 receiving yards against the Eagles. Uh, that's a number I just made up. But uh, he'll probably hit that. So uh, yeah, prize picks. I know, Dane, you have a promo code, right? To just get free money. Yep, uh, $100 free sign-up bonus at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app. Um, you just use the promo code DANE. If I mean, I'm, I'll am i be tweeting out these picks and stuff. It has the link to go there, so you can just go to my Twitter and, and follow that. Uh, again, just use the promo code DANE. They will give you a $100 free sign-up bonus. Uh, last thing, Kyle, let, I, we talked about a little bit at the beginning, um, but I went on your podcast with, with Phil yesterday just – let us know what what flagrant howls is going to be uh, like this season, and then also, I guess, preview what the three of us discussed yesterday. Uh, yeah, no flagrant howls. Uh, you can find it on YouTube or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, it's part of Score North. Uh, it's part of kind of I think it might be part of the Mackie and Judd um, podcast feed. But subscribe. Um, let me know on Twitter uh, if you know if you have suggestions for things we should talk about. Phil and I uh, cover the team. Very differently than Dane. Uh, we just, we're a lifestyle podcast. We like to talk about uh, the finer things in life. But no, it's it's really fun. It's just a different way to kind of mix in coverage. Again, I am biased, but as the unofficial uh, director of fan analytics for this, for the Timberwolves, I mean, the fans are incredible. There's more fans than ever. Um, and it's just a nice little way to kind of supplement what you do and what John Krasinski does. Uh, and we're going to be going once or twice a week. I'll uh, we'll have a lot of guests. We had Michael Grady on, the new play-by-play guy earlier this month. Uh, we had Dane on a couple days ago, and we just geeked out over Rudy Gobert. I brought up a lot of tall guys uh, like Darko Milicic. Um, and Craig so Kilborn. it's going to be fun. It, yeah, and we had Craig Kilborn on as well. So and we're going to have more guests on this year. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, subscribe. Any of the support that I can get on that is awesome. I've had a lot of fun doing it. And, yeah, it's just going to be a ton of my voice this uh, this summer. So if you're looking to switch teams, now would be a good time to do it. Because I'm going to be talking about the Wolves a lot. And uh, I apologize already to all my friends and my family. So I'm excited. All right. I think that's all we got for you today. Uh, Kyle, as always, appreciate you doing this again. Um, this is going to be an every Friday thing uh, for Kyle and I. I appreciate you making Thursday night work this time um, as I'll be on the road tomorrow. So uh, thank you again, Kyle. I will be back on Monday with Chris Hine to... Talk some more Wolves. Uh, Chris has some cool stories that I think uh, have been coming out and will continue to come out in in the coming days. So check out that with uh, me and Chris on Monday. That will be the next episode in your feed. Until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. 